You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Howdy ho, everybody, and welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and we have a unique episode today. We're going to be talking about bow reviews, and um, I know that's kind of a, a tricky topic to cover because it's not really a topic or something that is black and white, obviously, right? We all have our favorites when it comes to... Um, archery equipment right some people like uh i don't know let's just find an example here some people like uh limb stops some people like uh string stops some people like uh you know drop away rest some people like whisker biscuits you know so there's there's so many different likes and dislikes and it's all personal it's all on a personal level and today we have on matt reel he is a, a listener of this podcast, and he ended up uh, shooting a couple bows. I've shot four bows in the past couple weeks, and um, I honestly, I really miss the ATA show for, for one reason. Um, I shouldn't say obviously there's more to, to that, but 
I really miss being able to have all the bow manufacturers under one roof and I can go and I can shoot every single bow. And um, that right there is one of those things where, uh, I mean, I, I last year I, I, I didn't get as many of them as I wanted to. This year, ATA show canceled. So I don't have, I didn't get the opportunity to shoot any at all. Uh, and it's something that I really like to do. That way I know what bow I want to shoot uh, for the next year or if I'm you know, comfortable sticking with what I have. And I know last year I, I stuck with my same bow, right? So this year I'm looking to upgrade and I don't know really what I want to upgrade to yet. Um, I have some thoughts and ideas and some things that have taken me by surprise in the past couple years. And I don't want to make a full judgment until I go and I, I think I have about three or four mo- more bow brands to shoot before I, I end up making my decision. But um, I think on today's episode, I talk about Bowtech, me personally, Bowtech, Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, Hoyt, Matthews. Botech Hoyt Matthews and I'm missing one. Uh, Botech Hoyt Matthews. Oh, and Prime, right? So uh, Prime is uh, another bow that I shot. Uh, I I gave my kid my phone. I set him uh, in the archery shop, and he just played my phone while I went through and shot all these different you know different bows. And and that's what today's episode is. It's a recap of that, along with uh, a gentleman named Matt Real. He's doing the same thing, and he shot some of the same bows. We compare notes. We talk about our likes and dislikes, and uh, there's that. So, before we get into today's episode, though, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the hunting gear podcast. Um, I know that a lot of it is bow heavy. I plan on getting into some firearms uh, at some point this summer, but I'll be honest with you, man, I I'm not a gun hunter. Um, and at this point in my life, guns don't necessarily interest me. Now I know there's a lot of gear out there that's crossover, right? Like boots and camo and, and, um, backpacks and stuff like that. So I would say that, yes, um, you know, that kind of stuff is still going to happen. And I do, for for all fairness sake, I do want to get some firearm manufacturers in here as well, some ammunition uh, manufacturers in here as well, and uh, cover those bases. So uh, look for some of that probably this summer, but right now I'm really on a on a archery kick just because that's where my mind's at. Uh, so there's that. Now, we got to do a commercial, and that is for the average conservationist. Now, you've probably heard me talk about these guys on the Nine Finger Chronicles, but uh, these guys make some badass apparel, right? I'm actually wearing, what t-shirt am I wearing? I'm wearing their uh, gray uh, average conservationist simple logo tee right now. But these guys have some really cool apparel, really cool um logos they got an awesome hat it's one of my favorite hats right now the average conservationist on a square patch on the hat you need to go to the average conservationist.com and check out their hoodies t-shirts hats the cool thing about this company is that they give 10 percent of all their earnings to a conservation effort right whether it's the national deer association whether it's uh, a local thing that the owner marcus ewing decides um, that he wants to contribute to but in some way shape or form all of or 10 percent of his earnings are going to conservation so that's a win man not only are you buying a uh a really kick-ass t-shirt or hoodie or hat but at the same time you're getting you're giving money 
in, in a roundabout way back to conservation. And here's the discount code. If you want to save 10% on the Average Conservationist website, theaverageconservationist.com, enter the discount code NFC10 and you're saving 10% off of uh, your purchase. So that's a win right there. Take a look at that. Other than that, let's get into today's episode with Matt Reel. All right, on the Hunting Gear Podcast with me today, Mr. Matt Reel. Matt, how we doing, man? Doing great, Dan. How was your 2020 season? It was great. It was, uh, all seasons are great, right? Yeah, Just to, uh, had a little, uh, you know, through everything everyone battled through, through 2020, it was just great to be in the woods and, uh, experience everything we get to every season so yeah so where do you live i live in south central wisconsin south central wisconsin um what's the town closest to you in in stoughton stoughton okay i just talked with another guy from stoughton wisconsin uh not, not too long ago and we were talking about the coffee cup in town the yeah we talked about talked about that uh on the nine fingers chronicles yeah. podcast we did last last year yeah and i think you came up to stone over the summer to kiganza and yep late kiganza do the hangover breakfast at the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah that's what it was man um spend all day drinking at the uh at the lake and then i'm i'm too old now my buddy used to uh we used to hit state street in madison we'd get a, a cab or something and they'd run us up there and we'd do you know dumb young stuff all you know all night long and then uh and then pretty much just chill all day long at the lake and then the next morning we would uh go and uh go to the coffee cup and uh grab one of those refuel breakfasts breakfast absolutely you know the necessity yeah and and it sucked because i don't i think i'm not 100 percent sure but did iowa play wisconsin at wisconsin this year I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we always uh, I always love going up. Madison's a really cool town, man. I love that that part of the state. It is. It's changed a lot the last year, just with you know, obviously, kind of COVID and everything like that's kind of changed the dynamics of it a little bit. But and uh, some of the we won't talk politics, but some of the pol- political stuff is obviously changed the scene down there a little bit. Um, but hopefully, everything kind of gets back to normal as we move on to 2021 right right so your season uh you sh- and i think i'm going to have you back on on the nine finger chronicles podcast but uh it sounds like you ran into a decent buck uh drawing a non-resident iowa tag i did yeah i was uh had four points kind of saved up and um been kind of plotting along with you know kind of the point creeps that are going around out west and everything and trying to figure out when to cash those in and just seemed like uh, the right time to do it. And uh, yeah, I talked to you a little bit while I was out there and found uh, found a couple little out of the way honey holes and uh, was very fortunate to get on a few good deer and get an arrow in a pretty good one. What time of year was that? Uh, I went on a couple scouting trips. The I think it was Veterans Day. I think it was November 11th is the day I actually... Uh, harvested this one okay nice nice well congratulations man how did your wisconsin season go um it was uh i I got a couple leases in wisconsin and uh you know it's tough with two leases in the same state with one tag so you're always kind of 
playing a chess match and seems like you can never catch up with uh, the right one. And when you do, you kind of second guess yourself, you know, cause then you can't shoot the one at this farm. And, um, but it was pretty quiet in Wisconsin for, for me. I spent most of my good peak days that I kind of plotted out in Iowa. So, yeah, cool, man. Well, congrats on a, on a good season. Like you said, all seasons are good, but today we're going to be talking about archery. Uh, this is, you know, bow hunting and stuff like that. Uh, you recently shot a couple bows. I recently shot a couple bows. And I want to kind of compare notes and just kind of BS through what we thought about the bows that we ended up shooting. And, um, uh, you know, just chit-chat about that. Maybe at the end of that, chit-chat about any new gear that uh, you've tested out or tried out. Um, but let me just kind of, so so we're on the same page here. What bow like when you when you go out and you start looking for a new bow uh or when you're about ready to purchase a bow and it comes down to two or three different brands or or choices what do you personally look for in a bow you know i'm not a i'm not a 70 pound 30 inch draw guy i'm a you know 60 pound 28 inch draw and my main thing is just draw cycle yeah and, and smooth draw so i can get that thing drawn back without a lot of motion or movement um and stay pretty you know hidden in the in the tree or or you know in the grass wherever i'm wherever i'm at but uh the draw cycle and uh you know kind of the stealth uh mode of the bow whether it's quiet smooth draw that's kind of my main goal yeah and that's that's one thing for me too like I remember back in the day when I got caught up, and I mean, when I say back in the day, I mean like 15 years ago, I got caught up in the hype of, dude, my, you know, gotta have that four inch brace height, you know, you gotta have the, and that's over exaggerating, obviously, but uh, sure. the real short brace height, and you need to fling an arrow out of there at 3,000 miles an hour, and uh, that arrow, you know, I didn't care about arrow weight at all, and then now, like I could give a shit less what my uh, arrow's doing as far as um, how fast it's going, as long as it's going where I aim it, aim at it, and that when it gets to the animal, it's just hitting it with a shit ton of uh, momentum, right? So, uh, and, and uh, kinetic energy and whatnot. So, um, I am also in the same boat as you. Is what that's a long way of saying. Like for me, just a smooth draw cycle and a solid anchor point. Um, I talked with uh, a guy on the last episode that we did um, about limb stops versus cable stops. Do you personally have a preference? I think it's, you know, and I listened to that. I think that was with Andy May. And uh, yeah, I agree 100% with everything Andy said. And obviously he's more, he's, you know, an extreme uh, knowledge base in the archery industry and very successful hunter, but hundred percent agree with what he said with, uh, cause I have a couple bows and, uh, I have a couple of elites and, uh, my current bow is a Matthews VXR. And, uh, it is a huge difference between, you know, that cable stop and a limb stop. And, uh, I think they're, it's one of the things that's kind of overlooked when people buy a bow, you know, I think they buy a lot of brand name versus, you know, they're not a, a lot of educated buyers out there that, um, look at the, you know, the nuts and bolts of how a bow works yeah. and they're picking and choosing. Yeah. So they basically what you're getting at is people need to make their decisions based off of how a particular bow feels in their hands and not 
based off what somebody else is saying. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm just in the mode of, you know, if one feels better, I like to research why, yeah. you know, why that feels better and what's the difference. And, you know, that's kind of drawn me down the line of trying to figure out all those, you know, the difference between, you know, the um, draw cycles of bows, why they're different, you know, how the, why the hand shock's different and try to research all that stuff. So I'm educated when I go buy a bow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have a, uh, so, so you're kind of a cable stop guy then, or uh, a limb stop guy? Well, not, it, you know, I, I, I did the Hoyt thing, uh, a few times and, um, what's the Hoyt thing? I just, it just, I, I bought a couple different Hoyts, tried those out and really wanted to, you know, wanted to have a Hoyt. Right. And, uh, with their back wall and that kind of spongy cable stop, um, just as much as I wanted it to be the bow that I, you know, shot great, just couldn't work for me. And I think, you know, then I went to an elite, which was really that hard limb stop. And I really liked it, but it was a little too hard, right? So you get a little sloppy when you're all the way back. And, you know, I think I'm really excited about some of the new Bowtex, but I think Matthews kind of fits that gap. You know, it's, it's in between the Hoyt and the elite where it's, it's hard, but you can still feel it a little bit. So you can't just totally let up with, you know, like a 90% let off in it, you know, elite that uh, lets you get a little sloppy. I think the Matthews is right on that edge that I prefer. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So um, are you a short axle to axle guy, like like 30 or under, or do you like something a little longer? Um, I, I like the short ones. I like, I, I like hunting out of ground blinds, um, and I like the maneuverability in a tree. Um but I, you know, I shoot some indoor stuff as well. So I have, I have a 35 inch bow, I have a 32 inch bow and I have a 28 inch bow axle axle and I shoot them all and I like shooting them all. But, um, I always, my main hunting bow is my 28 inch axle axle. Okay. And what, uh, what brain is that by, by chance? That's uh Matthews VXR. Okay. That's right. Okay. So I know back in the day, uh, when, like short axle to axle, no one wanted to do a short axle to axle. And then in the past, I don't know, three, three or four years, uh, more people have been coming out with a axle, uh, axle to axle under uh, thirty inches, right? And um, there was a bow. Oh God, Gearhead. I, I'm looking right at it. I have one in my. It's a thirty inch bow, um, but there was hardly anybody going to like. I think they make one that's twenty four. Uh, and, and even, and even smaller, to be honest with you. Um, sure. and, but, but then there was this trend where the, the axle to axle for a hunting bow kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and, until it was, you know, sub 30 inches. And, um, uh, so it sounds like when it comes to target archery, you're a little longer, but when it comes to your hunting, you like it compact. Correct. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I've had success with both, but I think the, the, the more I really start to learn about archery and learn about the dynamics of how the bow works, uh, learn about like, uh, what fits my body type. Cause I'm six one, uh, I have a 29 and a half inch draw. And I think that, um, a longer to axle to, um, a to a really, um, helps me 
in my accuracy. Now I can still get somewhat of the same ac- uh, accuracy with a shorter bow. Um, like I've shot sub thirties and I've shot th- a 30, but, um, I just feel like that 31, 32, maybe 33 for me is the sweet spot. I, those, those three inches right there, uh, options are really what I really, what I like the most. Sure. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of options. You just gotta yeah. shoot a lot of bows and, and, uh, let the bow kind of pick you. Yeah. All right. So you ended up shooting, um, what two bows did you end up shooting? Um, I shot the V. Go. I shot the Matthews V3, the Prime Nexus, and both bows were fantastic. And, um, you know, I it, I like getting comfortable with the bow and kind of creating that relationship with it. So something's kind of got to blow me out of the water to switch every year. Yeah. Um, and none of those did a huge jump in technology for me or feel or anything like that that would want me to make that jump. But um, I'm really excited to kind of get a Bowtech uh, solution uh, in my hands and, and try that thing out. But I have not, uh, I don't have a dealer super close for me to, to test that out. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with, cause I, I shot the Matthews V3. I shot the, the, uh, prime Nexus. I shot the Hoyt Ventum and the Bowtech, uh, solution. I, uh, the, the SS model, the 30 inch axle to axle. So uh, on the Matthews, uh, I take it you shot, the, was it the 28 inch axle to axle? Uh, the V3 is in a 27 yeah, I shot that. 20, 27. Okay, I shot the 31. Um, so what was your overall thought, you know, thought about the the Matthews V3? Um, you know, I really liked it. Obviously, I had a comfort level with it because it's very similar to my VXR 28 um, minus, you know, kind of the custom rigging I do on mine to get it to the way I like it. Um, but it just didn't, you know, so it was a really nice bow. I think it would be a great bow for a lot of people. Um, just nothing drastic compared to my VXR, um, to need to make that jump. What, uh, what year is the VXR? That was last year's last year's. Okay. It was a 2020. All right. 2020. So, um, and, and, uh, was it, so it was really just, it's really similar to the bow that you had last year. Very similar. Just that roller guard got changed out. Um, to get it more in the center of the string. And then I believe the, uh, the riser is just a hair longer, which makes it the limbs drop down uh, a little more parallel. That gives it that other, you know, one inch shorter uh, ATA. Yeah. All right. So I shot the, um, I shot the Matthews and as well. And, I shot the 31 inch axle to axle at 29 and a half inches and the, um, uh, draw length 70 pounds. And I'll, I'll tell you what, man, um, the cool thing about these bows is you, you don't need a bow press anymore. I mean, the, every bow that I shot, the, the Hoyt, the Bowtech, the Matthews, the prime there, you were all able to adjust make adjustments to the bow without a bow press. So that right there, 
I think that's just really impressive, to be honest with you, um, that all these companies have taken the the time and the energy and all this innovation and put it towards making um, adjustments to your bow easier to the point. I'm not going to say you don't need a bow shop, but what I will say is that uh, if a guy learns how to do some of this, he can really fine tune his equipment to fit that that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, you know, and I encourage everybody to try to, you know, kind of almost tear their bow down and put it back together a little bit, you know, to the point that you can, just so something goes wrong in the field, you know what's wrong, how to fix it, and get back in the on the chase. Yeah. All right, so one thing that I really liked, uh, and you can step in here whenever you want, uh, I used to not like Matthews. Like, I used to... I didn't. I wasn't able to shoot hardly any new bows last year at the ATA show just because I was so busy, right? I didn't get around to going and, and shooting uh, a lot of the bows, uh, so I ended up just shooting my old, uh, my same bow from 2019 that in 28 and 2020, and that was uh, that was a prime uh, CT3. So w- one thing that I've noticed in the past couple years is. I don't have a problem with Matthew's draw cycle anymore. I used to not like it for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. And now I feel that when I shot that bow, man, that was that was one of the smoothest draws of all the bows that I ended up uh, shooting. And it's very quiet, and there's little to no hand shock in, in that 31-inch. Uh, like I said, I didn't shoot the 27-inch, but... Uh, but man, it's just a really good uh, bow. It's very quiet, which means it's you know pretty efficient. Now I was only shooting, you know, I wasn't shooting any type of. I was shooting it on a whisker biscuit, whisker biscuit with no sight. So you add a sight, right? And you add potentially a uh, 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 God. You screw it into the front end. Why can't I remember this? Stabilizer. Uh, stabilizer. Yeah, that's going to add a little weight to the bow. But um, overall, man, I just felt like it's one of the first times ever I've actually liked a Matthews bow. And I don't like I'm not necessarily a gear nut when it comes to specs or statistics, things like that. I go 100 percent by feel. And that bow felt really good. Um, I I really liked uh, I really liked that that bow uh, to the point where (laughs) I might go buy a Matthews, to be honest with you, um, and just because I like it so much. But I don't know. Yeah, like I have a couple other really good bows that I, I liked uh, as well. But the thirty-one just seemed to just seemed to be like this quiet, really efficient uh, piece of equipment, and uh, I liked it, man. Yeah, I had I was in that I was in the Matthews kind of fan club, you know. Um, Early on, I had a, an old bear bow. I think it was my first bow. And, uh, you know, a couple of buddies I was hunting with, you know, we were sighting and getting ready for the season. And my arrows are kind of lobbing in there. And theirs are just, you know, darts. And I'm like, hey, I got to get one of those someday. And this is, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, got a Matthews, had it for a couple of years, sold it, got another Matthews. And then they held their value so good. I just kept buying the new one every year selling you know i'd keep it for nine months and sell it and get the new one and and then eventually i think when they kind of got away from the solo cam and tried to chase some more speed 
I think that draw cycle that you and I kind of like, where it's just smooth, you know, easy drawing, quiet, kind of went away. They yeah. kind of lost their signature feel. And um, then I was kind of on the, the bow hunt, I guess, for four or five years there, just going to, you know, I shot everything basically other than a bow tech. Um, for six years, I think I had a different brand every other year. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a, that's a 31 inch axle axle uh, or 27, right? 27. Correct. Yeah. And, and it, it, correct. Yeah. And then the uh, six inch brace height and an IBO rating of 342, which to me doesn't, it doesn't mean anything because my boat, my arrows are going to be over 500 grains uh, total arrow weight. So that means nothing to me. Take a, take 150 off that. Uh, and that's probably what I'd be shooting somewhere between 200 and 250 uh, uh, feet per second. So like, Again, IBO rating for me, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so there's that. It doesn't probably mean much for 90% of the guys out there that are actually bow hunting. hunters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, out of curiosity, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Do you know what uh, an IBO rated arrow, when they shoot that out of a bow, how much that weighs? Um, it's on a grains per inch. So I think it's... Uh... I mean, this might not be exactly right, but I think it's at the minimum grains per inch per pound. So I, I want to say it's like a six grains per pound um, equation. Okay. And so it's a really light arrow yeah. at, uh, you know, 70 pounds, 29-inch draw or 30-inch draw, which I think the average guy, I think through one of your podcasts, is, uh, you know, in bows sold as a 28-inch draw. Yeah. So... Yeah, there you go. Whatever. Take that with a grain of salt. All right. Um, anything else that really stood out to you about the the Matthews uh, that you shot? No, you know, they're just solid, solid bows, you know, all around. They're just, you know, it's a high-quality product. You pay good money for it, but it uh, it holds up to what you pay for. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one on your list was the Prime Nexus. Uh, go ahead and uh, let me know your thoughts on the Prime Nexus. Again, great bow. I thought it was a little heavy, um, you know, limb stop, which I liked, um, but it gets gets you back there and it gets you so relaxed, you know, at full draw that it gives you a, a little bit of an opportunity to get a little sloppy, um, even on the range, you know, and, and obviously that is tenfold when you got a big mature buck standing in front of you. So, um, but great bow. I think they've done a ton of, ton of great things. One of the things that, you know, I've had a couple of primes and one of the challenges with it is, is if you need any service work done on it, um, at least in my area, there's not a, a group of dealer networks um, out there that you can kind of, you know, drive less than an hour to get some bow work done or anything like that. And that's one of those things that kind of just, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, if you're, you're out West or anything like that and you have a, a cam issue with a, with a prime probably a little rare uh to find a prime dealer out in the middle of nowhere versus you know if you find a even a mom and pop bow shop a lot of them will have some familiarity with you yeah. know matthews or hoyt or uh even Botech or something like that so yeah yeah um what what did you think about uh the like the draw cycle i mean until 
like everything up until you hit the limb stop. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I, I look for, which is maybe odd, but it's just how I do it is I like to be able to, you know, not sky draw at all. I like to be able to point my arrow at the target and draw back at 60 pounds without yeah. having to, you know, raise the arrow and, and, um, it started out a little stiff to me, so I could not do that comfortably, um, you know, in a controlled 70 degree environment in an indoor range. So that threw me off a little bit, um, which I can do with my current bow. You know, if it's 20 degrees out and you're in a tree stand and you're a little cold, I can just point, draw, shoot. Um, so that same bow and the same specs as mine, I, I couldn't do it even indoors. So, um, you know, that was just a, an, again, cause I have a, a new bow that I like and I'm very comfortable with it. I needed something to kind of blow my mind to get me to make a jump. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this about the, um, I'll tell you this right now about the, the Nexus is I felt, I felt it was light to like, I felt compare like if I'm going to sit here and compare it to the Matthews, um, cause I had the same whisker biscuit on it for shooting purposes, uh, shot the same arrows out of it in the same environment. And I felt like, uh, I felt like it was very, very, very close to the Matthews. Um, the only thing, and I think a lot of this will, would go away with a heavier arrow and with, uh, my sight put on it, but uh, with a sight put on it, but I felt like it was quiet upon release. Um, there was just like, just the smallest, I mean, and I don't even want to say it because when I say, when you hear the term hand shock, I just feel like like it shakes in your hand. Like, I don't know. Do you remember shooting, um, some of those carbon Hoyts from back in the day, like the first carbon bows and you'd let one of those go and it just, it would be like a tuning fork in your hand. Like it just vibrate forever. That's what I think of hand shock, but this is like the, you know, the release and it hits, you know, the, everything expands and goes back to normal, just the slightest, just the slightest. But I have a feeling like that would go away with the, um, uh, uh, with a, a heavier arrow. Now I will say this, um, I shot one of my favorite bows I've ever shot is the prime logic, uh, from, it would be three years ago. And then the logic CT three, um, is what I got the next year. And then I didn't get a bow, um, but I did shoot some primes at the the ATA show, and I just felt like the logic was awesome, the CT3 was awesome, and then the new one came out what would have been last year, and I did I didn't like it, I didn't like the uh the what black series was it? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I shot that too, and it seemed to, to me it seemed like I had a lot of hand shock. Yes, like the Nexus had toned that down quite a bit. Yeah. The other thing that kind of threw me off is the, I don't know how, what prime refers to them, but the big, you know, they're basically the, you know, the big circles on the strings to keep time out the yokes. Yep. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about how hunting out West and dragging that thing through the yeah. prairie grass in South Dakota or Nebraska and going, man, I can just see that thing getting just Caught. gobbed up with junk. And I, I like simple. Yeah. You know, things that are just going to work. And that, that threw me off a little bit. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this, man. I, 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 I'm shooting the CT three now. Uh, I don't think that was, that was, that's not on the CT three. I don't think. 
Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it was new to the, the, Black, the Black Series. Black Series. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that And that just tells you how much I know about archery right there. I don't even know what my how my bow's built. <laughs> but Hey, as long as the arrow's going where it's supposed to, that's yeah, the important part. Yeah, that's the fact. And so I shot this bow, and it's very quiet as well. I mean, it's really quiet. Um, I I love the I love the draw cycle. I like I am a fan of limb stops. Um, and I think it's like I mentioned on the last podcast is because uh, it is the end point. I like start and ends. I don't like spongy um, free floating type of back walls where you know there's play in it because I think that my form with any type of play is it leads to inaccuracy. Like if I'm, whether I'm in, let's just say a centimeter further back or a centimeter closer to whatever, whatever that those numbers are, I just feel like my body and my form, if there, if there is any variability, then I, my, my form exploits that and it leads to inaccuracy. So that's why I'm a fan of limb stops because I know that's the stop. That's where I'm stopping and that's where I'm holding. There's no other movement past that. So, um, like I said, man, I'm, I'm just, uh, I like the limb stops. And, um, if I was to rate, if I was to rate those two, but the first two bows that we, um, that we talked about, I would say that it, it's a tie for those two right now. Now there's a lot of bows that I haven't shot yet, but of the, these four that we're going to talk about today, um, the, the, the prime and the Matthews are, are at the top. Yeah, I agree. So, um, anything else about the, the prime that you like or dislike? No, I'm, uh, I, you know, I like the grip placement. I like the, the idea with getting that grip more centerizer. Um, it, it is just a little bit, if, if anyone hasn't shot one, it, to me, it just gets a little, uh, unique feel to it with that grip a little higher in the riser Yeah, and the bowl almost feels, it just feels totally different than anything, but. I would, uh, you know, certainly keep it at the top of your list if you're in the market for a new bow, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's one thing that I don't think about, I guess. When I shoot a bow, I don't think about the I, – I really only think about my hold on the bow and my anchor points. I guess I'm not ever thinking about um, if the top, you know, where the – where the center of the bow is, why, why it's like that. I'm, I I just keep going back to feel and I don't feel like that plays, that has a huge impact into how, like whether I will like or dislike a bow. Sure. So, so before we get into these next two bows, you haven't shot them, but you made a really good point. Um, And that is, there's a lot of places in the United States where, the 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 top tier bows are the only bows you're going to find like for example you live in south central um uh wisconsin and you don't have access like what bows don't you have access to at your local bow shop or within i don't know uh how 25 30 miles yeah i mean i really honestly i got um two good bow shops uh three pretty good bow shops within about an hour um none of which have inventory of Bowtech products, um, which makes it, you know, a little bit challenging because I I like the, I like the technology. I like everything about it um, on paper, 
you know, until I, but I haven't been able to get one in my hands, but, um, like expedition archery, yeah. um, has some good products, you know, some of those smaller, I guess, great products, but just, so, you know, they haven't got that upper echelon of the bow manufacturers yet. Uh, it'd be great to be able to trial that stuff out and support some of those brands. And, um, but if you can't get your hands on one, it makes it awful tough to, to buy one for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people are limited to whatever's in their area. And if you live in a rural environment, you know, and you have the ability to shoot a, I don't know, let's just say a Matthews because that's one of the most popular brands or a Hoyt or, um, uh, Bowtech, let's just say whatever, whatever the, the brand is the the popular brands are, and, and you decide, Hey, I want to travel an hour to two hours to go you know, test a bow or try a bow out. A lot of guys have, and this is just me. I probably wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go drive. I would probably just pick with, uh, what is local to me and stick with that. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, you're like, you're going to require or count on those bow shops to help you out with all kinds of stuff down the road too. Right. So, um, arrows, you know, bow tuning parts, you know, anything like that, any warranty work. So, um, it's kind of nice to kind of keep it close to home and support the, the guys that you can, uh, count on later down the road. Yeah. And, uh, I know when it comes to accessories and stuff like that, a lot of the bow shops that I have, uh, experience with, they've always, you know, it's like, Hey dude, I'll get it to you. If you're going to buy it, I'll get it for you. You know, you can, you know, just, I, I'll order it from you for you, but you, you know, pretty much you got to buy it right it's not like you can test right. it maybe maybe some guys are different but you know where where you're you know the bow shop guy and they'll be like yeah I'll, I'll get one for you just so you can test it out and then you know maybe someone else will want it or you know because you're buying a very they're buying a very specific product at that point for one person and it may or may not sell at, at that point and you know how bow shops are these days man they every uh every dollar is important absolutely yeah it's and there's a lot of gear out there to try to keep up with. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so you mentioned Bowtech. I was able to shoot the Solution SS, which stands for Super Smooth. Um, what is it about the Bowtech that you know has you wanting to shoot it? Uh, basically, just that. You know, the the Super Smooth. You know, um, you know, and put it in that performance mod because I know they have the you know, the performance mod and the comfort mod. And, um, I just think that's the, from what I've researched on it, that's the only bow that I think could rival the smoothness and quietness of my VXR. Yeah. And I will say this, I've, I shot it. I shot the Bowtech and it's a, it's a, it's another really good bow. Um, it didn't, nothing stood out to me like the the prime or the matthews but it's really good i mean i don't know what to say like i don't like i said i'm I'm not going to sit here and break down um all these things about uh, uh you know about the i don't know the cam angle and all this stuff it had a, it had a, a really decent draw um it had it was quiet when i shot it uh, from my, from my opinion and my feel, uh, like it, it was third place in the four bows that I shot, but the, you know, or, or second place. Cause the other two were tied for first, but, um, it's a really good bow. Um, 
I, I can see myself getting that bow and shooting and killing animals with it. Right. Like, right. And other than that, man, it's just, and the fact, again, like all the bows, uh, all this, uh, different, uh, adjustability to it. So it was a win. I, 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 I liked it. I guess if I had to pick, I, I would pick two more over it, but it's, uh, still a really good bow, man. Yeah. And is everybody, you know, and that's just it. They're all good. Right. You know, I don't think you can probably buy a bow, you know, this year that is a bad bow. You know, they're all good. And, uh, you know, so it just comes down to, you know, what, what you like and what feels good to you and, uh, what gives you confidence. Cause that's really what everything comes down to. Yeah. All right. Uh, and I'll just kind of run through this next, uh, this next bow real quick because, um, I shot the, let's see here. One second. I shot the Ventum and from by Hoyt and I shot the 30 inch axle to axle and I'm pretty sure there was another. Oh, and the 33, I shot both of them. So I instantly almost have to cancel out my opinion of the 30 inch axle to axle because they only had it going up to 60 pounds. So you add 10 more pounds of draw weight to anything and it's going to feel completely different than that of, you know, like 60 versus 70. So I drew it back at 60, real easy, real smooth. I shot arrows at 60 uh, and it was just quiet and everything. And, and, um, I would personally be shooting 70. So I don't know. I mean, it, it felt, it felt great. I mean, it felt good. It felt quiet, but I really can't give a, a, a true report on that bow because I, I'm not shooting it at a high, at the higher level. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So then I picked up the Ventum 33. And so I had the guy at the bow shop explain it to me and I'm going to do a horrible job. I'm trying to get the guy from the guys from Hoyt on this, um, on this podcast, but, uh, and actually next week or, or actually it would be the, the previous episode was the guy from Bowtech. Right. So, um, Bowtech will launch and then this episode will launch and then hopefully I can get a couple other, um, bow manufacturers on, but the, I think, I think the cam system and how it's set up, it's the same cam and the same, um, because it's one cam and you have to adjust it for draw length. Like you would, because it's, uh, uh, it's the same cam and and you're able to adjust it that's what i want to say adjust the the draw uh draw it's length on a modular yeah modular system yeah so at the 30 inch axle axle it was really smooth and there was no bump at the back end now with on the 33 at 29 and a half inches what i what i shoot was it was almost like valley second valley like it came to two, two bumps at the end. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I hated that. Like hated it. It was almost like, okay, I'm here. Nope. I'm not here. And now I'm here. And I like, I I was questioning myself almost, I hate to say it, but even from like a safety, like where's, where's my stop at where, what am I doing here? And it just felt, I felt very uncomfortable in that draw cycle. And it was only just the tail end of the draw cycle where, where all this took place. It was like a bump bump. And 
I at 29 and a half inches on the 33 axle to axle. I man, I did not like it at all. But other than that, it was fairly quiet. Um, just a tad hand shock, nothing too crazy. You know, again, I think a heavier arrow and uh, a sight put on it would probably take care of those problems. And just you know, light in the hand, it felt good, good in the hand. Um, but that draw cycle just I could not get over it and there's no way I'd I'd shoot that bow just I couldn't I I don't know and I have access to shoot those because our you know every dealer that's close to me has those and just with my previous experience with Hoyts I just I can't even get myself to shoot one so yeah uh, I just saved the time and just passed on them yeah yeah so um you talked about the bow tech uh um, are there any other bows that you're interested in shooting this year? Yeah, you know, I, I really have, I have two elites that are fantastic and I just can't, you know, they're kind of just point and shoot and they're great. I, I love them. I have tons of confidence in them. Uh, they're a little longer ATA and, uh, you know, I've kind of tricked them out the way that I want them. And, uh, you know, so the, I, I really like the elite line, um, and I like that all the systems are doing with, you know, the, the adjustability that you can do without a press. There's a lot of great things there. Um, but again, I'm just trying to find, you know, what's really going to get me to buy a new bow is if something just completely blows me out of the water. Um, and I've tweaked every, everything I have right now to get it really pretty darn good. So it takes something pretty significant, but, um, yeah, you know, the elite line would be the next line. I would be really excited to, get my hands on and shoot. But, but, you know, again, I'd have to drive. I can order them at my uh, local shops, but I can't go in and just test shoot them. Yeah. As you were kind of talking about. Yeah. So there's uh, obviously the elite I want to test out, but then there's the new bow from um, Expedition with that Exloy. It's that, it's that lighter carbon uh, aluminum combination. Uh, riser and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be badass and i i want to shoot it man i can't i i gotta find a way to go shoot it yeah and that would be on top of my list to get get to shoot too but you know and i don't know if you have anything local by you but i think the even when i do a dealer search for me with it you know the closest one is for me is in a different state so yeah yeah um, and then this is going to sound crazy because it's not a bow manufacturer that comes up quite a bit. Um, obsession, Ob- obsession in 20, uh, was it 2020? No, it would have been, see this. Yeah. It would have been the 2020 ATA show. Um, so in January, a year, basically a year from, uh, now a year prior to now, uh, had uh, a bow out. And although it was a little heavy, it was, it kind of took me by surprise. Like, oh my God, Obsession put out a really good bow. And I I completely forgot about it until now. But the cool thing about that bow is other than it being just a little bit heavy, I felt like it could, you know, noticeably, yeah, I mean, it's not going to stand up if you're comparing uh, Matthews or Prime to, to it. But from a price point, I felt like that price point of 
I think their new bows right now are sitting at somewhere like 900 bucks. Um, or they're one, one called the turmoil RZ looks like it's for 700 bucks. That I feel like is a really, really good price point for, uh, for a bow that functioned and worked and felt like the other bows that I was shooting. So, um, kudos to obsession for putting out a good bow. I'll have to go and try to find another uh, dealer here pretty soon and go shoot, uh, try to shoot their new 2020 or 2021 lineup. Yeah. And that's, that's the hardest problem for these bow manufacturers is probably getting their dealer network, um, you know, captured so people can get their hands on it and try it out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we kind of, uh, talked our way through the bow situation. Is there any other gear that you're, that you're looking at thinking about picking up, uh, this year? Um, yeah, I, I play around with a lot of arrows and, uh, you know, different spines, different weights, inserts, you know, all kinds of knox veins, all kinds of configurations. And I, I like doing that. I really want to get my hands on some of the new Eastern access four millimeter, um, and check out that outsert system, which, uh, looks pretty intriguing because that's been a challenge with some of the micro diameter arrows is getting, you know, the outsert system to align and, uh, get some pure shooting arrows out of them. Yeah. So that, that's one thing that I really want to kind of play with and uh, check that out. A couple of new broadhead companies. I think there's a, it's called Rex. I think uh, if you've seen any of their stuff, looks kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, arrows are just wild, you know, and yeah. I, I just, just got a half dozen uh, day six oh, yeah. HD arrows in, um, those are pretty, you know, those are really nice. They're kind of my middle ground between some victory, uh, VAP TKOs I have built with some a couple different out, outsert components, uh, to get different weights and try out. And it just seems like some bows like other arrows better. Yeah. And, you know, I like, I like playing around with that stuff and just trying to, you know, really what it comes down to is just find something that you have the ultimate confidence in that uh, when, you, when you do get that opportunity and all the time and effort you put into putting yourself in front of a, a good deer that it's going to perform. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. I was, I was going through, uh, I went kind of, a, I was back and forth at the beginning of last year with fixed blade or mechanical. Am I going to go fixed blade? Am I going to go mechanical? Well, I, I wasn't going on to elk hunt. So I decided, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to shoot mechanicals this year. Previous two or three years, I'd been shooting fixed blade, um, the boss four blade from wasp. And this year I shot the jackhammer from wasp. But what I will say is that, um, I'm thinking about bumping up to a me- bigger, more meatier, broadhead from wasp and i'm i'm not sure which one i'm gonna do yet i'm trying to pull up their website real quick but um uh but i don't know if i'm gonna go with like uh uh, like a bigger two blade like just a a real big two blade or if i'm gonna stick with this uh boss four blade that i've been shooting uh for a while now which flies which in my opinion flies really good and i say there's not a lot of tuning. And I say that with uh, an asterisk because there's no such thing as a a broadhead that flies like a field point because it's not a field point. 
So there's always some kind Correct. of, there's always some kind of tuning that you have to do to it. But I felt like those boss four blade fixed blades were really, I don't know. They felt really good and they are, you know, they, there was, there was some tuning, but not a ton. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of, you know, I've probably been my own worst enemy with the broadhead game. I've got, I don't even know piles of different broadheads from, you know, mechanical three blades, you know, rear deploying, forward deploying, deploying, um, all over the map. And yeah. in Iowa this year, I had a really, you know, I had a quiver full of rage tripans with, uh, an Easton access match grade with 75 grains of brass in it. And he came, you know, from 80 yards away, dead to my tree. And with that setup, I didn't feel like I could take that quartering way or quartering two shot, you know, um, cause I didn't want to, I wanted to avoid that front shoulder as much as possible. Yeah. You know, and you know, I'm thinking, man, if I had just, uh, my fixed blade broadhead set up with me, I'd have taken that shot at eight yards all day long. Yeah. So then, you know, I go back and, you know, I make some arrow changes in my quiver and granted I've shot these all in. So I know they're dead nuts with each other and they're all weighted and had tested and shot a, a, a Strickland helix, which is a, single bevel uh, broadhead at 125 grain and that thing's pretty darn accurate and, and it blows through just about anything and ended up similar situation a few days later and um, with a deer quartering hard away and ended up hitting them you know back a little bit and that arrow went all the way through and blew out the shoulder and came out the other side. And he didn't go hardly anywhere. And I'm going, you know, if I had a different arrow set up, I don't know if I would have, would have had those results. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, and, um, I, I was talking to, God, I forget who said this, but it was a broadhead manufacturer. And he said, if he had his way, he wouldn't even sell, um, 120, uh, 100 grain broads had, uh, 100 grain broadheads anymore. He's like, it, it should they should all be 125. Like if he had his way, but for some reason people think that they need a hundred grain broadheads when he's like, it, you don't, it's just, it's putting a little bit more, you know, you're putting weight back into the broadhead. What's going to make it stronger and it's going to make it heavier and it's going to, you know, do more damage to the animal when it hits it. Yeah. I think that was your, I think it was a podcast with uh, guys from rage wasp. If I remember right. Wasp. It was, uh, and- yeah. Yeah. It was from wasp. Yeah. What's his name? Um, Oh God! I, this guy's gonna be pissed at me if he hears this podcast because I forget his name. <laughs> Fred Doherty. Yeah, uh, he's an engineer out at, at Wasp. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think they all said the same thing. Is it just yeah. trying to get to 100 grains limits them on what they their engineers and yep. and technology want to do? Yep. But that's what the the big retailers request is 100 grains, so they have to you know adhere to them. Yep. But they would all prefer you know, 125 or heavier. And, um, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this too. I, um, uh, I've been shooting a heavier arrow, right? So I, I'm, I'm, I shot the hundred grain, uh, jackhammers this year. Uh, I'm going to probably shoot the, either the boss four blade again or the hammer from wasp just because I have a relationship with those guys. But, um, uh, and they, that comes in 125 grains, which should bump my, uh, total arrow weight up to, I think it last year was five, 
512 or 520. So I should be sitting somewhere at about 550 uh, grains uh, total arrow weight. What's what's your total arrow weight, give or take? I have a bunch of setups, um, different arrows. So the heaviest setup I had uh, was 512, you know, and that's at a 60-pound bow, you know, 28-inch draw. So that's a pretty heavy arrow for that. For, for me, um, where I kind of found my sweet spot was right around that four, 486, I think is where my, these day six arrows came in at, and they're weighted almost identical to my victory VAP TKO arrows. And, uh, it's a pretty good, you know, mix for, you know, West longer shots. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I've had a shot in South Dakota under 60 yards at a, at a mule deer. So, you know, I'm a little bit kind of a compromise between, you know, I don't want to go light, but I don't want to go too heavy that I'm going to have a huge pin gap um, out to some of those longer yardages. Yeah. So do you have, uh, so you shoot a multi-pin sight then? I do. I have, I shoot a, um, I, it's really funny. I'm almost exactly like Andy May's setup. Um, I have a three-pin spot hog slider that I use basically is my my on my vxr which i hunt primarily with and then on my elite um that i take out west with me just because it's really really accurate and uh, a little bit faster longer ata um that one i have a single pin slider and when i'm out spotting and stalking i just keep that thing locked at 60 and um it just seems like every mule deer if you happen to bump them they run out to somewhere between 55 and 65 and stop and look at you yeah Yeah, and it kind of gives you that perfect shot so cool cool man well uh we talked a lot about bows and arrows and and whatnot today but uh i appreciate you coming on the podcast and and bsing with me about this stuff hopefully you get to uh test out the uh, bows that you want to test out in the next couple months and uh and uh good luck i don't know shed hunting and turkey hunting and finding mushrooms if you do those things absolutely yeah we've got a lot of snow on the ground like you do oh, so yeah. hopefully we can uh get some of that off and get out there and get after all that fun stuff here pretty quick all right take care man all right take care.